Welcome to another episode of Latinos Who Thrive. I'm your host, Victor Escalante. This week, we're going to continue with the discussion that we started last week, where Michelle, Wickmandy, Jose Monterrosa, and myself discuss how to use the flywheel method for attracting sales and to attract customers. Let's continue with this discussion, and next week, we'll pick it up with another guest interview. Let's get started. And we are back, friends. We have in the studio, joining us remotely, Jose Monterrosa with Imagina Communications. Welcome to today's show, Jose. Thank you, Victor. Very glad to be here again. We also have Michelle Wickmandy, our Google and online expert. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Victor. It's nice to be back. Thank you again for the invitation. Great. If you are joining us uh, today for the first time, or if you didn't get a chance to tune in the previous two weeks, today we are continuing with the discussion of how to use the flywheel uh, model for sales and marketing. This is a very interesting, I would consider the new norm of how to do business uh, digitally, as well as uh, to understand what is happening in the marketplace for you to be able to uh, take advantage of every opportunity that is out there. Today, we are discussing the second and third element of the flywheel, which is how to engage and how to, uh, let delight. me pull up the slide, and, and how to delight customers. Correct. So Jose, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us uh, the specifics about this, this stage of the discussion. Sure. Uh, no, thank you again. And uh, yes, it's it's becoming like the new normal, right? Uh, as opposed to the traditional funnel of marketing, the flywheel, uh, the fact that it's putting the customer at the center of of the process, and in in understanding that a wheel represents something that is more dynamic, uh, that is exposed to changes, and and given the fact that in today's world or I'm going to step world. away uh, to raise the volume because you're coming in uh, real low. So okay. I'm going to go to the control panel, but go, continue the discussion. Sure. Uh, so I was speaking about the, the fact that the funnel uh, has become almost like the old model of looking at marketing and how the flywheel, because it's putting uh, customers at the center of the process, uh, it's it's becoming like like the new normal, as you were saying, Victor, in the beginning of the show. Uh, the new normal also because the wheel represents something that is dynamic and changes, uh, continuous changes, is something that is happening a lot in marketing for the last five or seven years. Uh, so uh, it changes a lot. Uh, new technologies and new way of seeing customers and understanding customers. So, so that is that 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 is just a comment that I wanted to make in regards to the the, the new normal uh, that you mentioned in the beginning. But uh, focusing more on the flywheel uh, uh, in previous sh shows uh, or in the previous show, we talked about how to attract customers. Today, just like you said, we're going to talk about how to engage and delight customers which are the other three, uh, two stages of the flywheel, uh, of the hotspot flywheel. Um, one thing that I want to emphasize is that the importance of delighting customers is 
the way that I see it, is on that engage stage. Uh, if you don't engage customers the right way, delighting them is going to be complicated. So uh, putting a lot of emphasis on how to engage those customers is probably the area that we wanted to focus on in today's show. And then um, also mention that there are three basic components uh, behind the flywheel. One is generating force. The second one, minimizing friction. And the third one, gaining momentum. So as we talked about this, remember those three, adding force, minimizing friction, gaining momentum. So with that, I'm just going to pass it to Michelle, who is going to talk about content generation. Right. Okay. Take it away, Michelle. All right. But today, our buyers have more power than they've ever had before. They are pretty much in control of your brand. And when they are looking for information and when they want a problem solved, um, they're, they're searching for the information and they're in control. I found an interesting statistic off of HubSpot that says, 94% of consumers have discontinued communications because of irrelevant promotions. Uh, There's 74% of people are likely to switch brands if they find the purchasing process too difficult. So that would be um, considered the friction point. Right. It goes back to what we were talking about last week in terms of understanding who our buyer is, uh, where they are in their stage of the uh, buyer journey and being able to meet them where they are with the right content. So- Let's wrap around our mind around that, okay? So if you don't have the perfect key to unlock a customer's or prospect's interest, you've lost the sale. You've lost uh, a potential uh, new client that you could have converted. You, you attracted them, but if you didn't engage properly, that customer is gonna walk away and they're gonna go to your competitor or they're gonna keep searching. And again, you're not, you've been passed over because of the lack of engagement and the specific way that they wanna be engaged with. Whether it's uh, answering a question uh, getting specific details about uh, uh, product, uh, uh, I don't know, product features or benefits. Uh, and if you, if that customer is not communicated with in the way that they want to be communicated with, you can kiss that goodbye. Oh, absolutely. So it goes back again to understanding the customer and where they are in their journey. And then also making sure that you have goals. So understanding why you are creating that piece of content. Um, what's the purpose of it? We want to make sure that there is a goal behind it. So for example, webinars are very popular today. And for an example, you might want to say um, you want to increase the number of people signing up for your webinar and maybe the goal is to do this by 15% signups over your last webinar. So we need to determine how are we going to achieve that goal? Where do we need our customer so that we can get the right information to them at the right 
time uh, in their decision-making process. And that may be an email, it may be a social media post. The content that gets developed, however, means that we need to go back to the very beginning and understand our customer, what their needs are, what the problem they're trying to solve. And, and so we're giving them the right information at the right time. I, I would say that webinars are a good entry point. If you're in the business-to-business -business, uh, uh, environment, webinars can probably be a good entry point for attracting customers, right? Uh, in, or potential customers, I would say. And then uh, also, you know, at a given point, you want to make sure that once you have them, obviously how to keep them, correct? Right. right. And, and the webinar is just an example. There's many different types of content. And especially in that awareness stage, when we're thinking about the customer has identified that they have a problem and, and now they're looking for a solution. So that may include a, a white paper that they read, maybe a blog post, maybe they need a checklist, a tip sheet, an infographic, an ebook but they are searching for information and we need to make sure that we offer that information in the right format to suit their, to suit their needs. Some customers may want, um, you know, something that is very short and sweet, like a social media post. Other customers are looking for more information and that's where the blog post, the long form blog post, or the ebook or the white paper also needs to be available for those for those uh, different needs. I'm going to ground it down to three industries: politics. Okay, we just okay. Uh, completed a election cycle. Just right. as we predicted that uh, John Whitmar had the cleanest messaging on his website because we did an analysis. Remember, yes. he. He was a winner, uh, not only in the web page design and messaging, but also in the execution, in engaging with uh, the constituents as well as developing a coalition, okay? The other candidates failed that. They failed in engaging the voter and the stakeholders, the major community leaders. And so is it any wonder that, that uh, John Whitmar was the winner? He, he had it right. You know, when we analyze uh, his campaign, uh, you, you can tell that the guy did the homework uh, or the team that is behind him yes. or was behind him did the, the right uh, homework. I mean, I remember watching that uh, or checking uh, Sheila Jackson's Lee website and watching that video that she had on the, on, actually on the homepage. And if you, by any chance, uh, got to watch it, and that was like a key component of the homepage, right? Right. If you, if you watch that video, you will be scratching your head in regards to what is this about, right? Yeah. So many <laughs> what the issues. Hell? <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 I and I'm sorry. You know, this is not meant to criticize or offend anybody. But we're marketers. We're communicators. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it was going in different directions. Yes. Uh, and talking about multiple things as opposed yes. to concentrating. Yes. And focusing on maybe one or two key messages. So Sheila Jackson Lee attraction thumbs down. Okay, it it, it was it, it was a tough sell. Okay, definitely. Uh, I mean, when, when you, you when you put it together with uh, yeah, with my, exactly, right? uh, exactly. I, if you isolate her, yeah, 
uh, from every anyone else, then right. I guess yeah, you can find yeah. some very good things. She was uh, again, guys. I was there at one of the TV debates, and I got to ask the candidates questions, and they were all relatively. They did well on stage, but again, it's behind the scenes of what is happening that is going to determine the engagement, the, the, the lighting, and as well as the turnout. Now, let's take another industry so, so that uh, we don't get too bogged down in politics. Uh, let's take uh, insurance and real estate, okay? That's a commodity. That's a commodity, and, and just about everyone that you know nowadays is selling real estate and insurance, okay? <laughs> so how can you stand out and how can you engage uh, in the sea of, of, uh, of other uh, competitors? Well, I think it goes back to the amount of risk in terms of the type of content you need and, and how elaborate it needs to be. So if there's a lot of risk involved, uh, a good uh, a high risk of, losing a significant amount of money or if there's danger uh, potential for loss um, that is where you need i believe where you need to have more uh, detailed information so people can really make an informed decision between choice a and choice b how do you stand out it goes back to um, understanding your audience where are they which platforms are they using, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or I should say X, I'm sorry, um, Instagram, but understanding those, those platforms that they're on and then also making the content captivating. And that is a very rel a relative term uh, because what is captivating or interesting to one um, may not be interesting to all. So we need to understand um again going back to the audience and understanding what what makes them tick what makes them take action to an offer i i'm, I'm going to add another thing to that uh and um you know once once you know where the pain points are uh with your customers or um i i guess uh you need to construct those narratives or that main message and, and the narratives that go with it uh, and, and, and make sure that you're being consistent over time, right? Uh, that you truly believe that this is, this is what is going to hit the home run with these guys. And then you trust yourself to stay on that course over a period of time, because otherwise, if you start switching messages, let's say that over a year, you switch in three different directions, you're going to confuse customers uh, and they are not going to know what you are really about. That's that's absolutely correct. The other thing too that's helpful is to run a content audit. So if you have concerns over what your messaging might be or should be, one, one thing that I find to be very helpful is to run a content audit Take a look at what your competitors are saying and how they're saying it and how are you different, how are you similar, and um, how can you how can you position yourself in this in this market so that you are you you differentiate yourself yet um, you're 
and you have the language, you you are able to position yourself in such a way that you differentiate yourself and you're using those those trigger words that capture people's attention. You're listening to Latinos Who Thrive with special guests Jose Monterrosa and Michelle Wickmandy. We'll be right back. Are you ready to unlock your full potential and embark on a journey of limitless knowledge and boundless creativity? Look no further than Wizard Academy, where dreams become reality. At Wizard Academy, they are not just a school. They're a community of visionaries, dreamers, and achievers. Whether you're a student, a working professional, or someone looking to reinvent yourself, Wizard Academy has a place for you. I know because I'm a graduate of the World Changers class of 2007 when I worked in print media. Imagine being guided by industry experts where innovation knows no bounds and where your passions are transformed into skills. Their cutting-edge programs span technology, business, arts, and more. You'll discover the magic within you and you will it with confidence. At Wizard Academy, they embrace diversity and creativity, and they celebrate your unique journey. So be sure to join them in the heart of innovation, where the extraordinary becomes ordinary. Visit them at www.wizardacademy.org now to explore their lineup of courses, faculty, and the incredible success stories of this community. Your future is waiting. Unleash your inner wizard today. Are you looking to take your career to the next level? Do you want to stand out from the crowd and make a lasting impression? Then look no further. Introducing the ultimate game changer, the Escalante Public Speaking Mastery Course. In today's competitive world, effective communication is the key to success. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, the ability to speak confidently and persuasively is a game changer. I know, because I have lived through it. That's why the Public Speaking Mastery course is here to unlock your full potential. The comprehensive course is designed to transform your public speaking skills from good to extraordinary. I will be guiding you through a step-by-step process, helping you overcome stage fright, craft compelling messages, and deliver impactful presentations. When I took the Dale Carnegie School of Public Speaking and Human Relations, It changed my life and I will be able to help you do the same. My career in journalism and training and development was built on having the skills to be able to communicate to a team or thousands. I hold nothing back. I will give you all my trade secrets and how you can thrive and crush it. Imagine walking into a boardroom and captivating your audience with your powerful presence. Picture yourself confidently leading meetings, delivering persuasive pitches, and commanding attention in every interaction. With a public speaking mastery course, you'll be equipped with the skills to excel in any professional situation. If you're ready to take the step and supercharge your career, enroll in the public speaking mastery course today. All the information and the cost is in the show notes. Don't let fear hold you back. Unlock your potential, elevate your career, and become a master of public speaking. Go to the show notes to register today to secure your spot in the next session of Public Speaking Mastery Course. 
Public Speaking Mastery Course, Empowering Professionals, Transforming Careers. Act now and make a lasting impression in every opportunity that comes your way. You will be glad you did and you will thrive for the rest of your life. We now return you to Latinos Who Thrive with special guests Jose Monterrosa and Michelle Wickman. Give us a specific example. Let's get real granular, down in the weeds. Okay. Because I'm an expert at not only uh, creating pain points, but ratcheting pain points when it comes to advertising. So so give us a couple of specific examples. You know, the, the one that, the one example um, that I've, that I keep coming back to is uh, the Blendtec, the Blendtec uh, videos, webinars um, that were very popular just a few years back. And when people go to buy a blender per se, right, they wanted something that would work, right? And those videos that Blendtec did were very powerful in that those blenders could blend anything, whether it was a cell phone, a golf ball, it really drove the message home that these blenders were powerful and they could get the job done. So that's just one example of- um, I remember they put a telephone in one of those blenders. Absolutely. It shredded it, okay? Now, that, that would convince me. That would convince me because uh, uh, because it brings up memories of having a blender that doesn't crush ice. You still remember it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because again, in, in messaging and in communication, visuals, once you have that visual, you can un undo that visual. And once you engage the emotions and once you engage the memories, that's it. You program the customer for life. Look at Pepsi when they paid $10 million to Michael Jackson for 10 seconds to go on stage. That was that time that they set his hair on fire. But, but again, 10 seconds to message, to create a new message of the taste of a new generation. Because back then, Michael Jackson was very hot. He was very popular. Right. This is before all the controversy. And he was uh, at the top of the ratings charts. And, and that connection was made that uh, it catapulted uh, Pepsi above Coke uh, for a period of time. Then they came back. Again, that's the battle of the brands in the marketplace. In today's world, uh, to me, it's about the network, right? The yes. network that had been built by, by Michael Jackson, by so many fans around the world, and, and, and the people that had other networks uh, that were associated with yes. Michael Jackson. That is what Pepsi did, getting to Michael Jackson's network. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, come on, practice in marketing, right? Uh, trying to associate yourself or to pair yourself with someone else that has obviously, in this case, a very famous individual uh, uh, in, in, in making sure that your brand is associated with him, his brand, and the network uh, that is behind him. Yes, and so uh, so you got the advertising, that's the attraction, and then the engagement with having plenty of product on the shelves, 
having yeah. all kinds of visual displays with uh, with Michael Jackson to again have a seamless process. I mean, this is plain old common sense that we've been doing all forever, but the methodology has changed. I was going to say, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So when we think about those basic needs that people are trying to fulfill, whether it's safety or uh, your basic physiological needs, um, all the way up to the um, self-fulfillment. And I think the military does touches on the self-fulfillment um, in their commercials. It used to be be all you can be. And they would show people say, you know, the, the soldiers say, being in battle and saving saving other people, saving uh, freedom, say. So you can sell anything if you got the right messaging, okay? Because there you were talking about uh, committing suicide or killing. <laughs> look, look, at, look at cigarettes, okay? Again, we've known that they were poisonous and dangerous, but again, uh, a, a society became addicted to them because of the messaging and the association uh, to smoking. But let's keep going. Michelle, do you have any other points as far as uh, effective content and the right strategy? No, I, I think first and foremost, make sure you know who you are talking about or talking to, I'm sure, I'm sorry, talking to. So those personas become very important, just knowing who the person is, where they are in their buyer journey, what are their look, what are they looking for? What are their pain points? the information that you can get for your uh, persona. So you'll need to do some research there, but then um, knowing why, having the why, why are we producing this content? What is the goal? What are we trying to achieve? And then in terms of what content we are going to produce or how we are going to do our messaging, one of the, what I find to be very helpful is to do a content audit. Look yes. at what is already out there and see how I am, how I can fit into the space, but still differentiate myself. I want to ask you guys a personal uh, opinion. Personal. Okay. Yeah, this is personal. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys think that you need to personally have someone outside yourself look at your own content because you are too close to see the errors or the deficits? that we're talking about. I know in my case, I do. You have to. You have yeah. to, absolutely. You're too close to it. Something that is obvious to another person, we can't see it. We have blind spots. That's why even ad agencies have ad agencies that do some of the work for them or they consult with them to look at the, some of their their uh, uh, inconsistencies or or how they could improve on, on some of their uh, branding and messaging. And, and I will probably add that there's some fatigue involved here. You know, if, if you keep seeing the same thing, uh, yes. talking about the same uh, uh, issues, uh, pain points, benefits, whatever, you are so framed to that, that at some yes. point, I mean, we're all humans, right? We get yes. tired. And you condition the, the people and you turn them off because who wants to feel nothing but pain associated <laughs> to your brain? <laughs> to your brain. Okay. Yeah, but the fact that you keep seeing the same thing, yes. you at some point yes. become like, you know what? I'm not seeing the errors here anymore. Yes, Because this, this looks normal. Correct. Yeah, so, so in that sense, 
extremely important to have someone outside the circle uh, check the work. Okay, let's keep going. All right. What are the channels uh, for engagement? Uh, for engagement, a brand should focus on. Yes. So Michelle talked about the things about that you need to do to generate good content. Right. Uh, extremely important to make sure that you have the right message and that you are engaging engaging audiences the right way. Now there are other more mechanical things that need to happen. Uh, in terms of the channels that you're using, reach out to those individuals. And let me just focus on three different areas. And I know that we're kind of running out of time here, but uh, in regards to web, you're making sure that you have the right navigation, that you are minimizing the pain points in your website that is blocking individuals to find the information that they are looking for. So uh, don't make it more complicated than what it is and what I want to... Just to give you an example, I've seen some websites that have like 20 items on the top menu area yes. to the point that you don't know where to click or where to find the information that you're looking for. So and that's Google is penalizing you because your webpage is too cluttered with so much content and it's so much good. SEO that yeah. they're now giving preference to landing pages that are clean, that are yes. clean and simple for one term that the, that the consumer is searching for. Yeah, and when you talk to clients, I mean, they all want to put everything on the top yes. menu, right? Yeah. But, in, but Jose, let me interrupt you just for a minute. But that's the beauty of a landing page. When, when you have something to promote, you have a pay-per-click ad and, and you click it and it goes to that one landing page and that is the landing page has one purpose yeah and, and the landing page being that individual page yes. that is associated with a specific campaign yes that you are pretty pretty much promoting on google so as yeah, i mentioned previously on another show i know of one law firm with over 200 landing pages okay jesus wrap wow. your mind around that <laughs> over 200 landing pages because again they're always on the cutting edge of what is working. They were late adopters when it came to digital marketing because they were accustomed to spending millions of dollars in legacy media. And uh, because again, digital marketing is long tail is longer. The response rate is gonna be longer, but it's more sustainable over time. Once you get that flywheel spinning, you can't stop it unless you have lots of friction in the process. And 200 pages, you need a department for that, I think. They, they, <laughs> they, they have an entire team, okay? Yeah, you, you, time, need a, you need a chief of landing pages uh, yes. just to manage that. Definitely. I used to be a brand manager for the firm, and so I led a team just for managing the brand, okay? Wow. So that's how big they are, and that's how big they are on, uh, on a lot of things. I, I actually was in charge of, of creating, removing all the friction removing all the friction and all the haters that again, we had failed. We had failed because we didn't understand how the market was shifting and how with as simple as, as, as a phone in hand, you could burn a brand. Yeah. And, and that was my next point here. Responsive design. Yes. Making sure that your website is friendly to mobile devices. Many times you will create this beautiful landing pages or, or, or homepage or subpages, 
and it looks great on a desktop or a laptop computer but when you put it on the phone it fails completely and, yes. and if and, and you're probably getting a lot of traffic through uh, uh, uh cell phone devices so yes. uh making sure that that is uh that is set up the right way the loading time of pages you know if you have photographs that look beautiful right crispy uh but it's a three megabyte kind of file size for each photo and you have seven of them on the home page you're killing that home page yeah so that's a big no and then obviously adding call to actions having interactive elements associated or, or implemented on the home page or any other pages that just makes that website more engaging uh, i know that we're getting close to the uh to the end of the show uh victor do you want me to Sure, let's sure go ahead and go into how do you measure engagement to know if it's working or not okay, because so again is... i see a lot of brands making lots of noise cranking out content like there was no tomorrow yeah. how do you know if your engagement is working so that goes back to that saying that says what gets what gets measured gets improvement yes. so the only way that you're going to know what is working is to identify or define your key performance indicators so maybe have five five key performance indicators or seven key performance indicators whatever makes sense for your business and maybe if you're thinking about a webinar and getting registrations to that registration page uh, maybe the kpis would be focused around uh, land uh, visitors to the landing page and signups and maybe it has something to do with uh, where visitors are coming from but we need to have some goals and we need to have some key performance indicators and we need to be able to measure those because again what gets measured is going to get improved if we don't measure it, we're not. You guys are getting real technical. So let me okay. uh, let me explain to the listeners what we're talking about here. So when I manage this particular law firm's webpage, also, I would look at those things and I would look at Google Analytics and I would look at how did uh, people land on our page? What were the keywords and phrases they were searching for? Because guess what? Based upon that, I was writing articles and content and and. Uh, and graphics that were specifically addressing those uh, uh, those hash marks or those words or those phrases to be able to have a conversation online. And, and I will add to what you're saying, Victor, the fact that you know measuring performance is that needle that is going to indicate you how to minimize friction. Uh, one thing is, okay, where is the content going, right? How can I make sure that I'm providing that content that is relevant to those individuals? But on the same token, you're actually being able to determine uh, what are those things that are causing problems on your social media, on your website, on your email, whatever tool you're using. So to me, measuring important to determine friction points uh, and making sure 
that the momentum continues, right? That reminds me, I was working at another law firm and I would uh -huh. monitor all of the social media and we would have haters <laughs> in, in the waiting room, okay? Complaining, the room. <laughs> complaining that, that it was taking too long. Oh my God. As soon as I, I, I got the complaint and I got the name, I would uh, pull a legal assistant and say, hey, I need for you to, as soon as you finish with this client, I need for you to call in this client and I want you to take care of them. And I want you to tell them that uh, thank you for, thank you for uh, making us aware that we can always improve on the service. Again, friction. Okay. We were creating yeah. friction and, and we took the time to address the friction so that again, we look like uh, superstars compared to the competition because we were on top of that. That's what we're talking about. It's like big brands have teams of people that are that are uh, ready to engage uh, and remove any friction in, in the consumer. That's awesome. Great example, by the way. Right. And then um, just I just want to add one more thing. Social media content development. Um, Developing engagement isn't limited just to B2C. B2B companies are doing a great yeah. job of this as well. And one of them that comes to mind is Maersk, the shipping company. And you might think, what would a shipping company have to say or share? And how can they generate so much engagement? They do an incredible job. They're on TikTok. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and just across the web. Uh, but they do a great job with highlighting their employees. They talk about how they're able to ship, you know, some significant number of wine bottles and not be able and be able to, to ship them and there's no breakage. So whether you're doing refrigerator motors you're shipping containers, uh, you're a B2B, I think that you can make your content very engaging and interesting. It's not limited to B2C only. I want to echo what you just said. What I see with a lot of brands is their, their content is very stale. It is very AI-generated AI without any editing to make it very organic and, and, and engaging that people can relate to. Because, uh, because again, at the end of the day, we're people needing to interact with people and, and having our needs met. Well, guys, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Jose, give us a preview of what we can expect that next week. Next week, we are talking about, we will be talking about Transform 2024, Marketing Transform 2024. I think it's going to be very interesting if you are into AI or want to know where AI is going next year, I think that you want to join us next week on the show. Absolutely. We might even give you some of our secret sauce that we've been yeah. uh, playing with. Well, <laughs> we now, can talk about that We later. totally <laughs> depend on AI uh, yeah. because we're early adopters of this technology. Yes. All right, guys. Well, well thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Go out and crush it. <laughs>